This is an example that, that God really unites all of us from all different backgrounds, all different walks of lives. And, and no matter who you root for, Jesus is Lord. And, and so, uh, you know, we, we laugh and joke about it uh, with the football games and stuff. But even, even the inauguration on Friday, the things that have happened, this is a time for the church to be an example of no matter which side of the aisle you're on, no matter who you're rooting for, you think it's the end of the world, the beginning of great things. We are one in Christ, and we have an opportunity to show that to the world. Part of our Christian witness to the world is how we love each other, regardless of of our backgrounds and and different things that we think are important. Jesus is on display in our lives, and the world is watching. And uh, I know know I probably preached it last year, but um, if, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it, and especially on social media. Just can we stop with the craziness for people are watching to say, oh, look, you know, that was so nice. They they posted that nice little picture of Jesus and the children. And then they said these horrible, hateful things about, you know, what's going on in the country or their neighbors or all that. People are watching us. Can we be consistent in our Christian witness and love people like he loves us? Is that okay to, to do that and just... Just be people that love people. Thank you, Jesus. I gotta, I gotta get into my notes before I, it, I say it all the time. It doesn't look like a soapbox, but sometimes it really feels like one on here and you get up and people captive audience, you get to say what you want. Uh, I just want to encourage you next weekend for Pastor Bob, stir your expectations. There, there are going to be good things that are happening and I want us to come together, not just thinking, oh, yeah, it's another meeting we got to go to or this guest guy is going to come. But stir your expectations that God is going to do some things. Uh, we have people around the room. We showed a video at the anniversary service. There are people that received significant healings and miracles last year when, when Bob was with us. And so I believe that God wants to do more of that. So, so be ready next weekend. Saturday night is going to be at the Bridgeville campus. Sunday morning he will be at both services, 10 a.m. and 11.45. But come ready to receive something. And if you have somebody you know that needs a breakthrough or needs a miracle or needs some healing in their body, something they've been battling, invite them now. Like, I I believe God heals all the time, but there is something about Pastor Bob's ministry. Uh, When we've traveled together, we did missions trips. God does amazing supernatural things through his ministry. So stir your expectations for next weekend and believe that God wants to meet with us and do some some stuff. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for being present with us. We thank you for speaking to us already. And we ask that as we look at your word, that your voice would be loud. More, more than what I'm saying, uh, more than the PA would amplify it or anything like that, that we would hear you clearly in our hearts and in our spirit, Lord God, that we would hear what you're speaking to us and that we would adjust our lives to line up with what you have for us. And uh, God, we just thank you and we honor you for what you're doing already in our midst. Continue to do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, to start off the the year here in January, we've been in a series on money. I've been talking about dollars and cents, keeping money in its proper place. And uh, we've we've said that any time that you see a problem happening in life... Almost always, I'm not going to say 100% of the time, but quite often, if you trace the root of the problem back, it's usually got something to do with money getting out of place. It becomes a higher priority in our lives than it should be. It begins to creep into relationships. We begin to, to be selfish and use people instead of loving them. So we want to keep money 
in the place that it's supposed to be in our lives. And one of the things that happens at, at New Life Fellowship is we believe that uh, part of what happens, if you come around New Life long enough, you are going to encounter Jesus. You're going to meet him. He's going to transform your life. And one of the things that he does when we encounter him is he helps us keep our priorities in the right place. Can I get an amen to that? How many of you remember, like, part of what we signed up for is Jesus is Lord. Okay, that, that means he is the boss. He gets to tell us and set our priorities in our lives. And too many times things creep in and try to get back on the list somewhere else. And we need to get back to the place of Jesus. I need you to tell me what my priorities are going to be in life and to help me navigate those waters. And that's, I think, sometimes the rub comes when Jesus, we encounter Jesus through someone else in his body coming alongside of us and saying, hey, I've been watching you and I think you could use some advice on making a budget. How many of you know it's, it's one thing to be here in worship and be like, oh, Jesus, we love you. Your presence is so great. But it's another thing when Jesus right next to you, part of his body comes and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, you need to adjust something. Then it's like, who are you to tell me what to do? Well, Often it's Jesus encountering us through the other people in the room and speaking into our lives. And we need to receive that sometimes, just the same way as we all love his presence and and love being in worship together. Uh, So we've been talking about money for the month of January. I'm be relieved. I'm not going to talk about it again for a little while. I'm not I'm not going to even talk about it nearly as much as Jesus did. How many of you have ever did? How many of you have gone back and looked at some of the Gospels while we've been in the series with a new eye of Wow, he really did talk about money a lot and wealth and treasure and the things that are important to us. And I think we ought to be ones that could talk about it in church without getting weird. I saw this quote this week. Uh, John Crowder said, some people get offended when their pastor talks about money in church, yet it is all they think about the rest of the week. Come on. That's that's a ooh, get you right where you're you're living on that quote. Man, we think about it six days out of the week. We're, we're thinking about how to earn it, how to save it, how to spend it, where it needs to go. And then we have this idea of, well, that's only for the other six days. I don't want to hear the pastor say anything about money. Come on, if we're thinking about it all the time, there ought to be things that we address from the pulpit and in church when we're together. Uh, most people, their experience of, of God and money sounds something like this. They, they pray, Lord, either give me more money or take away my expensive tastes. Have you ever met somebody like that? Either change the things that I like, God, I'm submitting to you, or give me more money so I can get more of them. And that's out of balance, too. That's, that's how most people see God is, uh, oh, I'm going to get in trouble at some point. But I, I think there are a lot of people that have a view of God that he's some kind of spiritual Santa Claus, that I'm just going to sit on his lap and tell him what I want, and he's, he's got to give me what's on my list. And that's not the way God operates. And what we're, we're going to talk a little bit today about he wants to bless us, but he is not going to be manipulated. He, he is not going to be guilted into giving us things just because, you know, we're having a little fit like little kids. He wants to bless us, though. So we're going to talk about that later today. If you've missed any of the sermons in the series, they're all available online. Uh, but just a couple quick highlights of what we've talked about over the last few weeks. Uh, we said the New Testament standard for giving, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each man should give what you decide in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There, there ought to be something about offering time that we get excited. God, this is a chance to give. Woohoo! Come on. When's the last time we ever woohooed about the pastor saying, hey, we're going to receive the offering now? 
But God says he loves a cheerful giver. There should be something about our giving that is exciting. Uh, we talked one week about keeping our hearts free from the love of money. It really does start with keeping our affections pure before the Lord, not letting the seed of the love of money get planted in us. And then last week we talked about what do you do with money? And, and we said there's four things that God wants us to do with money. He wants us to earn it, to give it, to save it, and to spend it. So if you missed any of those, you can go back and listen. Uh, hopefully they were pretty practical. And a, a key verse that we've been hitting on this whole series, Matthew six twenty four. Jesus was speaking and said, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And, and how many of you have ever had a job where you've had more than one boss that gets to tell you what to do? How frustrating is that? You know, if, if I come to, to somebody, if, if you're sitting in the workplace and the boss comes in and says, Zach, I want you to get these, these hundred pages of reports written by five o'clock this afternoon and have them on my desk and get everything done. Okay, I can do that. And then five minutes later, another boss walks in that Zach has to listen to and says, Zach, I want you to make 10 sales calls by five o'clock this afternoon. So get out there on the road and start. What does he do in that moment? He's got two bosses, two masters telling him what he's got to do. And he has to make a choice in that moment. I'm, well, I'm going to get out there and, and beat the bushes and do sales calls. At some point, you can't do that. You're going to begin to despise one or the other and you're going to be devoted to one or the other. And that's what God says happens with money or him. We, we got we got two different bosses telling us two different sets of priorities and two different things that, that they want us to do. And you can't serve both of them. And if, if we serve one, if we begin to serve money and let that order our priorities, we're actually going to begin to despise God. And I, I don't know the last time I, I checked with all of you, I don't think any of us want to get in that place where we despise the Lord. We, we, want, to, we want to love him and have him speak into our lives of what we should do. Uh, so today, just to wrap up our series, I want to take a few minutes to talk about prosperity. And the, and the bad rap sometimes that prosperity gets. Uh, when, when I say that word, uh, a lot of times I find in, in Christian circles, most people think of prosperity in one of two different ways. They either think, oh, well, he's talking about spiritual things. God wants to prosper us with spiritual blessings. He wants us to have righteousness and peace and joy in our lives and all that. Or you meet Christians that think, well, he's only talking about material stuff. He's talking about money and wealth and the stuff that goes with it. And then, then when they think that, they get kind of uncomfortable because they, all they picture are the televangelists with the slick back hair asking you to send in your seed offering. Come on, anybody ever stay up late enough at night to watch those shows? If you just send your seed gift of $100, we've got a breakthrough for you. Can we just stop with both of those? Those are both so out of balance. There are, there are spiritual blessings. I believe that the, the blessings that we encounter with God are primarily spiritual, that they flow in our lives, our soul prospers, we're, we're full of joy. But they also do include material blessings that he gives to us. And we can't get out of whack. We can't get weird about it. I, I met people. We used to do ministry over at Goodwill Plaza in Sheridan. I've been in some of the apartments with the, the older ladies that tell me, Here's what I got. And they start telling me I was watching this guy on TV, so I sent him $50. Come on, if you're living in Goodwill Plaza on a fixed income, you don't have 50 extra dollars to send somebody and not get anything out of it. And, and she's showing me this envelope, and she says, here's what I got. And it's like these crushed up crackers. You know, like it was going to be Holy Communion or special, like here's this special you send in your seed offering and then eat the cracker. It's a bunch of baloney, and it gives the church a black eye. 
because it's, it's people just taking advantage of other people in the name of the Lord. Maybe I'm the only one that's seen that or met people that that's happened to. How many of you have encountered somebody that has a bad idea of the church because they, they look at the church as being money grubbers or they're only concerned about wealth? And we have an opportunity to be an example to the world, to show them something different. And here's what I, w- I want to tell you this. Money is not an indicator of spirituality, but it is often part of the blessings God sends to our lives. Come on, just, just because you have more in your bank account doesn't mean you're more holy. You know, because there, there are verses that talk about God confirms his covenant by giving wealth and giving blessings and all these things. But that doesn't necessarily mean you are a holy person. But as Christians, often the blessings that God sends to us includes money. So we have to learn how to deal with it rightly and how to expect those blessings, but use them appropriately. And not. In fact, most of the heroes... In this book, the, the stories, the, the main characters that, that the stories are about weren't the priests and the righteous people. They were often the people that had a job. Come on, generals and shepherds and kings and people that, that did something with carpenters. Come on, picking Joseph out of, the, out of everything else to say, hey, I'm going to let you be Mary's husband and be the father of Jesus. Come on, all these people in the story, most often it wasn't the... the priest it was the people that knew how things worked in the world and jesus even went so far as to tie worldly wealth with spiritual blessings this is what he said to his disciples in luke chapter 16 he said if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth who will trust you with true riches ouch come on jesus i just i just wanted to be super spiritual and pray for people all the time and he's saying hey you gotta you gotta show that you're trustworthy in other areas also how can, how can the Father trust you with true riches if we haven't been people of integrity in handling our money? All right, moving right along from that verse. Thank you, Jesus. That was a good word to us right there. Here, the problem comes because the message of prosperity has been abused and perverted in the church. There, there have been things that happen. Come on, what's the first thing you think of when you hear the word prosperity gospel? Come on, we, we picture those guys that are on TV telling us, Jesus, it's Jesus' will for you to have a big house and a big car and all these things. And that's not the end goal. Prosperity is not the end of what we're in our relationship for with Jesus. His stuff is not the end goal. How many of you know the Father is the end goal that we're after? He is our inheritance. He's our great reward. He is the one that we're after. Jesus said, it's through me that you come to the Father, not any other way. Jesus didn't say, it's through me that you get to heaven. It's through me that you get blessings. It's through me that you get money. He didn't say that. He said, it's the Father that we're after. Now, an exciting thing about walking with Jesus and encountering the Father and Him filling our lives is that He blesses us also. But it gets out of whack when we make the blessings and the stuff our goal instead of our relationship with Him. And so the message of prosperity has been abused and perverted, I think, just like other biblical truths. How many of you have ever met somebody that, that they don't believe prophecy is for today because they've encountered a false prophet over the years? Or somebody tried to manipulate them and with a thus saith the Lord. Like, hey, this is what God's speaking to you to do now. And it was just manipulation. And as a result, they throw out anything to do with prof- prophecy. Or, or people think healing's not for dead. Hey, I haven't seen anybody get hit. My, my grandfather got sick and died. So healing's not. Those healing preachers. We, and we throw it all out because we've had a bad experience with it. Or, or we, we hear the term born again. 
How many of you have a friend or you know an acquaintance that, that the word born again to them, they laugh and think, those crazy fanatics, they're just weird people. And I'll never forget Steve Mack sitting there in Bible study with some people on Wednesday night saying, there is no other kind of Christian. If, if you want to see the kingdom, you must be born again. And it's, it's not a weird term, but we throw these things out, including prosperity, because they've been abused over the years. And I think part of the thing God wants us to do is to take our stuff back. He's, he's saying, don't throw out all the stuff just because of the abuses. There are truths in the word that we need to embrace and get back to. And just like prophecy or healing or being born again, I think prosperity is one of those messages that's been abused and we need to get back to embracing it in a biblical way. It's a good amen point. If you want to say, if you want to say amen at that point, that would make me feel good. Uh, here's what prosper simply means. Prosper means to exceed, to succeed at something, especially financially, to become strong and flourishing. If, if you are a parent in this room, could I see a show of hands if you want your kid to prosper? According, according to that definition, you want them to succeed, you want them to be strong and flourishing. That is something I have yet to meet a parent that says, oh, I just can't stand my kids. I hope they fail spectacularly at everything. I hope life is hard for them, that they never get ahead. If, if that's your attitude of parenting, we're going to call Child Protective Services on you and have a conversation later. Every parent I've met looks at their children and says, man, I want the best for them. I want them to succeed. I want my kids to go further than I've ever gone, to, to have more and to do more than I've done. How many of us, if that's our attitude towards kids, how many of you think that God is a better parent than you? If we want that for our kids, how much more a loving father that looks at his children and says, man, I want the best for them. One of the most famous verses in the Old Testament about prosperity is in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a great verse to hold on to. He has plans for us. He has a hope and a future. And part of that includes he wants us to succeed and flourish. Now, he was, he was specifically talking to Israelites who had been in bondage in Babylon for years. And Babylon often represents the world's systems and the world's way of doing things. And he still speaks to us, I want you to be free from the world's way of doing things. I want to prosper you so that you don't have to rely on the world system to be prospered and be successful. That's what his goal and his plan is for us. In, in Psalm 1, it says, whatever a righteous man does prospers. Anything that we put our hands to, God wants it to succeed. But money is not the end goal. I mean, I'm going to say that several times this morning so that you don't leave the meeting and say, oh, he was one of those prosperity preachers. All he talked about is we're supposed to have money. That's not what I said at all. Look at your neighbor, in fact, say that's not what he said at all. Money is not the end goal. Prosperity may include money, but that's not the goal in and of itself. The danger of becoming rich lies in using money for our own gain and trusting in it. That's, that's where the danger comes in. But prosperity is not the problem. Greed is. That's a, man, I know that's like a crutch to use in the middle of my sermon, but that's, that's so good. I think you should say that one to your neighbor too. say prosperity is not a problem. Greed is. Maybe, how many of you remember uh, Michael Douglas in the movie Wall Street standing up there saying greed is good? No, it's not. 
Prosperity is okay. It's a blessing from God. But greed is not good. It causes you to do weird things with your money and to, to treat people poorly. We, but we do need, as Christians, we need to break out of the mindset that says prosperity is something bad. That we should be avoiding it. That we should avoid any excesses or blessings that God wants to send us. Some of us are content with living in lack because we don't understand what God says about prosperity in the Word. So I want to read a couple of scriptures just to prove to you it's not my idea, it was God's idea. And I think sometimes prosperity gets a bad rap because some people build ministries on these scriptures I'm going to read to you. They, they overemphasize them and they underemphasize Jesus being Lord and everything else that's in scripture. Uh, but the first one I want to read is Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22. It says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no trouble to it. How many of you would like some wealth with no trouble attached to it? Come on, the, the way the world operates, it's like, man, you're going to get money, but you're going to worry about it all the time. You're going to be in fear of who's going to take it, how you're going to lose it, how should you invest it. The, when God sends it to us, it has no trouble attached because what happens is I say, Lord, I recognize that you put this into my hands. You're going to tell me what to do with it, and you're going to put more in there if I need it. And I don't have to worry. I don't have to be in fear. I don't have to have any trouble associated with the blessings you send me. But he wants to send them. Here's another one. Proverbs 22, verse 4. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. God knows that he can trust us and to prosper us when we have humility and the fear of the Lord. Because I say, Jesus, I'm going to lay everything at your feet. I'm going to keep myself postured, humble before you to, to hear your voice so that you can tell me what you want to do with your stuff that you put in my hands. If you're humble and he's the Lord of your life, he doesn't sit up there and say, well, I wonder if I could trust you with that now. There are characteristics that are flowing in our lives. That he says, I can bless that. Here's another one in, in Deuteronomy 28, uh, starting at verse 2. It says, all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And then he gives this laundry list. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land, the young of your livestock, all these different things will be blessed. He says, you'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. And it says in verse 8, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. Everything you put your hand to. I don't, I don't know a ton of people in the room that have barns that need to be filled with cows and chicken and grain. But everything you put your hand to will be blessed. There are very real, tangible things on that list. I think there are spiritual things. Hey, I'm going to be blessed coming in, going out, all these things. But there are very real, tangible things on that list too. And what's, what's amazing to me when you read this list... How many of you recognize that those blessings there in Deuteronomy aren't just for right now? There's like long-term generational things on that list. Man, my crops will be blessed and the harvest of them. Well, that doesn't mean today when I put that seed in the ground, instantly I'm going to have blessings. He says the fruit of your womb will be blessed. How long does it take to have a baby? Nine months, thank you. Somebody was paying attention in high school and in the sermon. 
That's not just a right now thing. That's, that's long-term thinking. And even beyond that, to say the next generation and the generations beyond, God is not limited. Like Sometimes He will miraculously provide what we need at the last moment. Has anybody ever had that experience? I, I've seen that happen time and time again. Oh, here was the need. God showed up at the last minute. But God is not limited to last-minute provision. God, God is not a God of paycheck to paycheck. I'll say that on this side. God is not a God of paycheck to paycheck. He, he has more. And, and don't, please, hear my heart. Don't be convicted. If you're at a place where, man, I need my paycheck this week to survive till next week. That's a hard place to get out of. There, there's a cycle that happens. We get trapped in that. But God is interested in long-range thinking. He, we talked last week a little bit about saving and, and setting something up. And here's another verse that... If, if your kids have ever quoted this to you, this, you'll recognize this. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. You don't leave an inheritance for your children's children by limiting God to thinking, Oh, he can only provide right now paycheck to paycheck. He has a purpose for why he blesses us. And it goes beyond me and right now in my current circumstances. I'm working on this. I'm, I'm not the most unselfish person I've ever met. I, I have a desire to leave an inheritance for my children because that's what God says a good, a good man does. We leave an inheritance for our children's children. We, I, could, I would love to set Silas up for Moe's for the rest of his life. Welcome to Moe's and he doesn't have to worry about where is it going to come from? How am I going to pay for this? God, God is into generational thinking. And, and prospering us for the purpose that goes beyond ourselves. Uh, you, you could look at those verses we just read, and maybe you're thinking, well, yeah, that's, that's all the Old Testament verses, Pastor Chris. Tell us something relevant that Jesus said about this. Well, I'm just going to read one verse for time's sake that Jesus said, because he said a lot about it. But in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, a very famous verse, he says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Has, has anybody ever had that verse quoted to you and the person stops there? Because usually they're, they're trying to guilt you into getting your priorities back in line. You're not seeking the kingdom first enough. You, you need to get back to church. You, you need to pray more. You need to you seek his kingdom first. And we forget there's another half of that verse. He says, and all these things will be added unto you. What's he talking about when he says these things? Anybody read the first half of chapter 6? He'd just been having a conversation with his disciples. What are we going to eat, Jesus? Where are we going to sleep? What are we going to wear? All these things that we get worried about and worked up. How am I going to get that stuff? Jesus said, don't worry about it. You seek first the kingdom and I'll give you the stuff. The stuff follows seeking the kingdom. And I think too many times we've, we've glamorized poverty so much that we skip over the second half of that verse. And we, and we just think, oh, I've, I've got to be going around with, with nothing in my hands and all this lack. I'm just seeking the kingdom. And he says, I will take care of the stuff. And I'll make sure it gets in your... You're not going to have to worry about putting a roof over your kids' heads. I'll take care of the stuff if you keep me first in your priority list. How, think about it just from a practical standpoint. How can you help starving children? How can you help fund getting cures for diseases? How can you get bake your neighbor a pie if you don't have any money? If, if, we're, if we're walking around all the time and you know, nothing in my pocket, how, how can I do what God asked me to do? If 
you want to go on a mission trip, do you know what? Missions cost money. You have to save and plan and be prepared to do that. It's, it's not enough to just say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to be sitting on church and, and one Sunday the missionary comes and says, who wants to go to with me? And I jump up and say, yes, I'll go with you. Well, then that missionary is going to say, here's how much it costs. You have to buy a plane ticket or you have to, you have to be ready to, to drive around when we get there. There are very real things that we need to be mindful of and thinking about. I think expecting to prosper is part of agreeing with God's will for us. And, and again, please hear me. I'm going to say it one more time. It's not just about money. Okay, there, there are many ways to prosper. So don't go away thinking, oh, Pastor Chris said we're all supposed to be rich. It may or may not include money. But there's a thinking, there's a mindset that we need to break out of that resists God bringing prosperity into our lives. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to be strong and flourishing. Well, why does he want that? What's the goal? What, why could God possibly want to prosper us? You know, is it just, oh, so they'll have bigger bank accounts and you know, they can show the church down the street, look how much money we have in reserve. No. God prosper us, prospers us so that his kingdom will expand, so that we will learn how to be generous, so that we will be liberal givers, to, to see people in need and expand and extend the kingdom. Come on, that's, that's why when, when we sit there and pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, one of the ways he answers that prayer is by prospering his people. I'm, I'm going to expand my kingdom by putting resources in the hands of people that will do something righteous with it. The goal of being prosperous is to set captives free, to liberate those who are oppressed, to let people know that Jesus loves them. And the the stuff that we get, the the blessings that we get along the way for our families being taken care of, being able to go out to eat on a Sunday after, that's all just gravy. That's all just extra, the blessings that overflow. But it starts with, what's going on in my heart in here? Am I going to use what you've given me for your sake, Lord? How about, how about this? Talk about breaking a mindset. What if, instead of sitting around worrying about lack all the time, come on, we, we've all had these conversations. If you're married, you probably have them weekly or daily. We've all had these conversations about how are we going to pinch pennies? What are we going to cut? Hey, call that cable company again. Get them to reduce the number of channels we have because the budget is so tight. What if, instead of starting our thought process with lack, we started our thought process with God What do you want me to do with the abundance you're going to send into my life? How would that be for a shift in our thinking? Lord, what what you're going to bless me with, it's going to be so exciting. Where do you want to sow it? Who do you want us to give to? Who do you want to prosper through our lives? And if we started with a mentality of abundance that comes from the Father's hand, instead of lack, thinking I have to hang on to the little I have, how much different would our walk look? Here's one last verse, and I'll close with this one. Uh, Proverbs 11, verse 10 says, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. And verse 11 says, Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked it is destroyed. Why does the city rejoice when righteous people prosper? Because it's going to prosper the city. The kingdom is going to come. Disease is going to be eradicated. People are going to be blessed. The city rejoices when righteous people prosper because they know righteous things will happen. And that is why God prospers us. Well, that's great, Pastor Chris. So what do I do? Like, do I just go home and sit and say, okay, God, I'm ready to prosper. How about it? Like, like what does that look like to actually position ourselves to prosper in the kingdom? 
I think it, I think it starts like that. Okay, God, okay, God, here I am. I'm, I'm ready, willing, and able to be used. Be, be faithful with what you have now. Be, be a person of integrity over what God's already placed in your lives. Find places to give. Give and give often. I don't, I don't, this is completely backwards from the way the world tells you to do it. But one of the quickest paths to prosperity in the kingdom is to give stuff away. And, and it's amazing. God just keeps pouring more in. Like we, we say that as a cliche all the time. You can never outgive God. How many of you have ever heard that? It's not just a cliche. We, we give and give and he begins to pour more in our hands because he sees what we're willing to do with it. Here's somebody I can use. Now, conversely, one of the quickest ways to cut off prosperity in your life is to start to be jealous and envious of somebody else's blessings. Sitting there saying, well, how could he give that to Mike? You know, doesn't God must not know what Mike's really like. <laughs> Come on. Don't, isn't, that, isn't that stupid thinking? But, but we do that sometimes and we get all bent out of shape and worked up like, how could the blessing of God flow in his life? And I've got this stuff that's going on, these bills and all this. And we get worked up about somebody else's blessing. Like there's only a limited amount to go around. Okay, like, like God doesn't have infinite resources that he can produce into our lives. We get worked up like it's, oh, here's only a small pie that God has. And if he gives Mike too big of a slice, that leaves less for me. That's small-minded thinking and it shortchanges what God's actually able to do in our lives. And if we want to see prosperity flow, we're going to rejoice with each other. That's awesome how he blessed you. Man, I love you're so generous. I love seeing God flow in your life that way. But the minute we start looking at it like, hey, look at who they think they are. We've just wrecked our own opportunity at seeing God prosper us and flow in our lives. And stay thankful for, for everybody else's stuff and for the stuff he's just stay thankful. God, I recognize you're the giver. Thank you so much. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your blessings. That's a good place to stop right there. Let's go ahead and stand together. I want to pray for us. And our, our deal is nobody's going to leave church today and say, Oh, Pastor Chris just said we should all be rich. You know, I am rich. Whether I have another dollar flow into my bank account ever or not. What Jesus has done for me, the way he's... I am rich already. And the, the more I keep my focus on him, the more I can enjoy the blessings he sends. You know, if somebody asks you, is, oh, that pastor down at New Life Fellowship, your church, is, is he a prosperity preacher? Well, Yes. <laughs> Not, not in the way that they're probably thinking of it in terms of, hey, I can name it and claim it or grab it and blab it or whatever you've heard. Like, God just, God just wants to give you stuff. That's not what God's into. But he does want to prosper his children because he's a good, good father. God, help us. Let's just pray. God, help us to see rightly and to discern what we need to do in our relationship with finances, in our relationship with the blessings you send into our lives. God, I ask right now that you would forgive us for times when we've gotten our priorities out of line, where we've elevated stuff and money higher than it is supposed to be on the list. God, keep us in a place where we look at what you've done for us. And we we can truly say, God, your presence is more than enough.
And God, I ask right now, because it is your desire, that it is your plan, according to Scripture, and even the verses we read this morning, because you want to prosper your children, God, let us be good stewards of what you send into our lives. Let, let us direct our resources to where you want them to go. Let us be people that would have a reputation of being generous, of people that, that would help, that, that people that care about those in need, people that care for the least of these. Let us be ones that, that clothe the naked and feed the hungry. Let us be ones that take care of the widow and the orphan and the people that, that need to know you, that need to know that there is somebody that cares and sees their condition. God, we say that we love you and, and you are the boss. <laughs> if, if there's a choice of two masters, we say that we serve you, Lord. God, I ask your blessing upon us, even as we go from this place. Let us, let us go. Lord, let the city be blessed because we prosper. As, as we leave this place, let the reputation of, of new life and the other churches in our region, Lord God, let the reputation be that the city prospers when the church prospers, when righteous people prosper. God, be with us even as we go this afternoon. Let your goodness and your mercy follow us. Let your favor be upon our lives. Uh, even as the psalmist said, let the things that the righteous put their hands to prosper, not for our own sake, not for our own reputation but so that Jesus would be made famous. We say we love you and we honor you this morning, Lord. In 